Blog Talk Radio. I recently quit my job and took on a new venture in life. Welcome to Music from People I Know, where I catch up with friends, past and present, and talk about our music, inspiration, and passions. With a 15-year professional career in the music industry, I have met a lot of cool and interesting people. I'm here to share our stories. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, uh, my guest is Aaron Michael Halimian. Hemian. Excuse me. Hyman. Sorry about that. Hyman. I, I yeah. totally got it all com- completely wrong. Fuck. It's all good. Anyway. You're not the first. So, so it's Aaron, Mike and, Aaron Michael Hyman. Uh, he plays in a band called uh, Blasphemous Gods. They're really cool. They play like uh, really grungy folk rock, outlaw folk rock kind of music. It's a lot of fun, actually. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. So were you able to get your uh, your computer going? I think so, yeah. If you can hear me all right, then yes. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I love technical issues, especially last minute. Do you yeah. find that uh, as a musician, you, you ha- you're you better geared to be able to troubleshoot those kinds of problems? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm also um, like an audio engineer, uh, like a film audio engineer. So <clears throat> the kind of thing I'll deal with a lot in other respects too. So yeah, like at a show, if we're having a problem with the PA, I'm usually able to address it and figure out what's wrong quickly enough. Maybe not perfectly, but at least good enough that the show will go off and then we're done and nobody has any problems with it. Right. The show must go on, right? Exactly. So, so, you know, we, we've been, we've known each other since, I I don't know, it was 2000, no, 99. No, 2000. 2000 was your freshman year, right? I'll go with high school. Uh, 99, 2000 was my freshman year. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've known each other for going on 18, 20, 18 19 years now. Something and like that. You, yeah. you know, you were one of my first fans, and I, it, it really inspired me. Do you find that, that having fans that are, like, you were, you were so passionate about all our music. There was, you know, there was Ethic, Turn of the Screw, and, you know, Fat Melvin, and Missing Johnny, and all these bands, and... You were you were the guy standing there rocking out. I've got photos of you where you're just, you know, just ready to go and like, dude, that that's inspiration to me. How how do you feel about that? Do you have people that that follow your music like that? Um, sometimes not not a ton, but I also haven't been putting it out there uh, as much as that. I haven't been, you know, because I've also been other things, doing other things, um, again, trying to work on film and everything. So that's really where a lot of my focus is, but music's always my passion. But I mean, there are those shows where I'll be playing and I'll see someone just really getting into it. And that's, it does kind of drive me on a little more. Right. It, 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 it gets you right. There's some, there, I can't even describe it. Can you describe that feeling that when you see that person? Oh God. Um, it's it it's it's hard to really describe it, but I mean I've even had similar um, 
a similar kind of feeling about it, uh, like after a show. I remember like first gig I ever played, and I played one song that you're. I know uh, you'll have the the album recording of it to play tonight, and I think it's the first one of the first times anyone had heard it. And one of my good friends came up to me afterwards, asked me, like, what wasn't sure if the song was a cover or an original. And, like, hinted the fact that the song was that good, she wasn't actually sure if I wrote it, which some people would be like, oh, that's kind of offensive. That actually kind of, I, I liked that a bit. It was like, wow, I wrote a song that no one was, like, no one, re- no one realized I was good enough to write that song. And then, you know, kind of gives you a, right. gives it, people more it, of it. It's so good that it, it couldn't have possibly be, be written by you. And I've I've experienced that, like, once. And outside of that, that's it. You know, I think as myself, I think I'm more of a an engineer than I am a musician. Do you find something? Do you have a niche that you're more than you are a musician, or do I'm, you find yeah, yourself I'm, more a musician? I'm more, uh, it, definitely an engineer. Um, but also, I I don't like. I think of myself as a guitarist mainly. Like uh, the blasphemous god stuff which is mostly just solo stuff. Um, that was a way for me to get out there and play guitar. And I realized just me sitting, strumming a guitar is not really, it, it's not as interesting. That's why I figured out how to write, you know, satisfactory enough lyrics to add to it. But I, I really like just, you know, play like coming up with a good riff here and there, you know? Yeah, it's all about that riff. I, you know, being a bass player, I like coming up with that lick. You know, what's yeah. different between a lick and a riff? I honestly, that one I couldn't tell you. I feel like maybe a riff is uh, something more sustained, like constantly, where a lick might be just something once here or there. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> I feel like they might be the same thing, but I've never really explored that difference. I mean, really, what, what is the difference? I've always, I've always said lick, but then guitar players throw out riffs and bass players throw out r- licks. So I wonder if maybe it's like, you know, a bass player thing or a guitar player. It might thing. be. I've, I've heard lick used in terms of guitar, um, and again, I think maybe a riff, maybe a riff works in a similar way to like a chorus lyrically. You know, it's it's, it's a refrain. It's something that'll come up a bunch of times and a lick might be something you just add in there, like a flourish. Oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I like a little end fill. I feel like if you talk to 100 different musicians, you'd probably get 200 different answers. Damn, that sucks. You know, so... <laughs> I mean, Those I aren't very good odds. Well, it's just, that's the nature of it. Everyone has an idea on it. Not everyone, there's no, I don't think there's any agreed upon. I could be completely wrong, too. But I don't think there's an agreed upon definition for things, which I think is good. So, so what inspired you to play music? Well, interestingly enough, I actually got my first guitar probably, I want to say three or four years before I ever even started playing guitar. Uh, my uncle gave me this little acoustic guitar, and I never took to it. This was like middle school; I didn't take to it, so that you know, went by the wayside. But then when I got into high school, I was, you know, listening to heavy metal and hard rock and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know if there was any specific catalyst for it. I just was like, shit, 
I want to learn to play the guitar. And that, that decision kind of came around the time that I discovered all of like, you know, the, the Burbank bands and everything. I remember like 10th grade, my first ethic show, which was Burbank high battle, the bands want to enjoy going back that far. And, uh, I just was like, yeah, I really want to learn to play the guitar. I think it'd be awesome to be in a band and all that kind of stuff. And so uncle took me to get my first guitar and just, it's been like, I never looked back. Where'd you go to get it? Guitar center in Hollywood. God, I miss that place. There's something special about that guitar center. I mean, I remember going there daily. Well, I'm in I'm in Van Nuys, Sherman Oaks right now, and we've got the Guitar Center here, and almost every Guitar Center I've gone to, they kind of all have started to remodel and get kind of a uh, let's say like almost a uniform appearance. But that one, they've kept it the same with the vintage room and just their layout. Like they haven't they haven't changed too much of it. I think there's only like three in the entire state of Colorado. And oh, wow. they're all exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. So did you hear they're going out of business? Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of uh, those stores are going out of business. Yeah, I mean, Amazon's really put a riff on things. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, I've also heard things about Gibson. I don't know if we should say them live, but, I mean, you know, Gibson is yeah. uh, filing Chapter 11. <laughs> Yeah, they're uh, they're just well, you know, Gibson is a guitar center brand, so with Guitar right. Center going away, Gibson's going away too, yeah. and that that brings a lot of other things. Stanton, Stanton's owned by Guitar Center, you know, Epiphone that's owned by uh, or sorry, Gibson, Epiphone's yeah. owned by Gibson. You know, there's a ton of off brands from Gibson that are going to be gone. Yeah, I'll have to. I, I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to look up the notices of when it start when they start liquidating and see what I can get for really, really cheap. Yeah, right. That's like the time to buy. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. the The interesting thing I found though is like while the big the big box uh, music stores, uh, Sam Ash, Guitar Center, those kind of places are slowly like they're going downhill, like they're losing business. But the smaller stores. Um, uh, Guitar Merchant, Norman's, True Tone, places like that, McCabe's, like uh, the Fretted Frog, which is where I got my current acoustic guitar. They're all, those places are actually doing really well. Like people seem to want to go to smaller um, niche kind of instrument stores nowadays. LA has always been a niche kind of spot. You know, everybody, it's very, nobody realizes it, but you go to downtown LA and up until recently, there wasn't even a Walmart anywhere nearby. Very true. Very true. So, what are your plans with your music? What do you What do you plan to do with it in the future, and where Where do you plan to go with it? Well, I don't. I mean, no, like concrete plans. Uh, my main thing is, you know, I like I like being able to record myself because now because I've written over the past the past several years. I've written a lot of songs. I'm actually really proud of how they came out. So I like being able to get people to hear them. Um, but I really, I also found that I'm not as into like playing and singing for myself anymore. I want to play guitar and have someone else write the lyrics. Um, I'm in a band right now called uh, Flip Cassidy and the Junkyard Gospel who I hope is listening tonight, but I'm not sure if they are. We actually have a show on the 23rd of June in Canoga Park. Um, 
but you know, been playing with that, been focusing a little more on, you know, because we're trying to get more going with that again. Um, but I also just have a lot of, I don't want to say plans, but intentions for different kind of projects I want to put together. Like, I'd love to start like a, a surf rock kind of group, uh, a metal billy kind of group. Just, I just, I want to get metal together billy, with fuck yeah. metal billy. Yeah. I just want to get together with like, I know a lot of good musicians. I want to get together with them and just start coming up with stuff and, you know, just come up with new music. Like that's really where I'm at with it. Right on. Well, hey, I'm going to play one of your songs. So let's listen to, is it the, uh, it's Ferryman, The Ferryman. What album is that one on? I can't see it, the information. Yeah, The Ferryman is the uh, final song on my EP, Saints of the Sinners, that I just released digitally um, a few weeks ago. And physical releases will come at some point. I don't have any definite on that. But yeah, it's called The Ferryman. Uh, there's, I'll, I'll say it now, there's uh, the backup, the backing vocals on it are by my good friend Flip Cassidy, as well as the banjo track. He also played that. Oh, fantastic. Let's listen to it.
That was The Ferryman by Blasphemous Gods. <clears throat> so, when you were writing that album, hmm. where did you start? Did you start with just a guitar track and then write some words to a guitar track and then uh, kind of scratch it out? Or was there was it less production than that and you just kind of just recorded it and it was a song and then uh a little about uh all the songs on the album 
were written over the course of various times. And uh, incidentally, there's three songs on the album that form a trilogy, but I didn't realize they formed a trilogy af- until after I'd written the first and third part of it. So <laughs> and I, was, I, I, I was driving home one day and it came to my head. I was like, wait a minute. I got to write a song in the middle of these and I've got the whole thing. So I worked on that uh, when I was, you know, when I, when I was working on getting this stuff together. So to record the album, I set up Indiegogo and crowdfunded as much as I could to set up a, a recording rig in, uh, in my bedroom, basically. And I didn't get a lot from the fundraiser because crowdfunding is hard. But I was also I was lucky enough to be able to get the money to get certain things, Pro Tools, computer. Um, and then uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Kevin Chuberka, who actually mastered the EP, uh, he has a studio in L.A. called Haven Recording. And uh, he was able to hook me up, just like lend me a bunch of gear, like a, you know, a, a Digio 2 rack unit, a patch bay, things like that. So he, so while like I was getting all that together and I was also, I was not entirely sure on what kind of a uh, album I wanted to put together. If I wanted to try to do a full length, a uh, seven song EP seemed like a better idea. And it even changed ideas through that as far as what songs I wanted to use, what I would call it. And, um, just when I figured out which songs would be perfect for the album, and one of the songs, I think third track is like one of the first songs I wrote. And I kind of even figured out a way to order them together so that they kind of follow something of a narrative, very loose narrative, but a narrative. Um, but most, pretty much every song I've written starts with a guitar part. And I, I'll play it. I'll play it a few times. I'll stop playing for a bit and then come back to it to see if I still like it. Cause that's happened a lot of times I didn't. And then I'm like, okay, I need to write some lyrics. For this. And that takes a number of different processes of how to write it. Uh, the trilogy of songs, it's called the trilogy of evil men. And they're all, all three songs are in some way inspired by a very great band called murder by death. Uh, the third part is the third part came lyrically um, like first because I wanted to write a character whose only goal was to cause chaos and destruction. Uh, Murder by Death has a song about a similar character, and so that's how that happened. The first part of the trilogy came about because I was trying to write something similar to one of their songs, like just in tone. And then the third, uh, the second part, I unintentionally ripped off a riff from one of their songs. I didn't realize I was doing it until sometime later, but I told them about it. They they were fine with it. So you know, there's a uh, a quote. I I'm gonna paraphrase it because I can never remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of, "Great artists uh, copy or imitate, and the best steal." Do you find yeah. that you end up stealing a lot of your material? Because I do. All my material is stolen material. <laughs> not as not as much as I would think. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do a lot of covers. I actually find I enjoy playing other people's songs better than my own, which does happen from time to time. You get into that kind of a, a slump. I 
I would not be surprised to find out I've unintentionally stolen several riffs or several songs because I don't have the uh, greatest amount of musical education. So sometimes I'll write something that just comes to me and I like it. And then sometime later, oh, that's what I just wrote. Someone else's song. Well, but, you know, it's you get a, you, you can never help who you're influenced by and how that influence will manifest in your work. So when you when you play, where do you find your inspiration? I mean, I, I find that it comes from that influence myself. You know, whatever I'm listening to that day kind of, you know, directs me. But where, where do you get your inspiration from? Uh, it's a bit of a similar. Um, the Ferryman <laughs> has a very interesting impetus because um, so uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Sons of Anarchy. I wouldn't be surprised if you were. I love that show. Yeah, so the first season, the uh, the last episode, there is a cover by the house band of of Sons of Anarchy, uh, the Forest Rangers. They do a cover of an old song called John the Revelator. And I remember the first time I heard it, I watched the episode, and I think my eyes might have actually fallen out of my head for like 20 seconds. And... I remember looking up the artist, like the singer for the banks. I didn't know much about that band at the time, what the whole situation musically on the show was. So I didn't know that's what that all was. But I start looking up the song. I'm looking up and I'm trying to find anything else that sounds like that song in a very similar vein. It was, like I say, not as much uh, knowledge on the greater musical world sometimes. So it was difficult for me. And so I finally said to myself, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to write a song like that just so I can hear another song like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice so yeah there's that um the first and then incidentally that eventually begat the first song on the ep it's called sinner's walk and hit um i wrote that song to prove that Fairyman wasn't a one-trick pony incidentally they both are in the same key and sound very similar to each other <laughs> but it was one of those like I can do another song like this sure I can and I just wrote another one yeah that happens a lot you know uh, it, it, people don't even realize it when they're writing their songs it's just they use the same chords because that's what they know and it's it's part of how our brain is programmed hey so you had a, a song prepared to play for us right I I did and do excellent fantastic so we, we formerly had a song, and now we have a new one, right? Is that is that yeah. what just happened? <laughs> yeah, new, new is a relative term, but yes. I'm, um, I'm only so, playing on the play of words that we just did because it w- w- was present in past tense, so we got two oh, different yeah. songs. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, I, <laughs> I've been smoking weed since we started talking, so I'm I'm a little bit on the stone side right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I approve. Um. Yeah, this this, this is actually brought to you by marijuana. <laughs> so this song is um actually I've been very slow on the songwriting front in the last few years. So this is the last new song I wrote, and uh, it was written just a few years ago. But you know, but yeah, this one's uh, called "Sales of Justice." Mm.
Dude, I really like that melody. What, what's that Thank song you. called? It's called Sales of Justice. Is that available on your EP? Uh, it is not. No, that is a newer one. Uh, I'm working on a recording of that one right now. I'm in the process of that. And that will be available on my band camp at some point when it's done. Yeah, don't you like that? I mean, it takes forever to do this stuff sometimes. It can take... I mean, I had one song take a year to produce at one point. It'll happen. Yeah, and I mean, with like with the EP, uh, one of the things that took a long time with it was just I, you know, I had many unproductive periods because I was also working on just finding work, finding some source of income. Uh, you know, and it was tough. Also, like one of the things that's hard. Uh, I've got a few drum tracks on the EP. Uh, that song I just played, I want to record drums for, and I'm not set up to record drums, so it's finding the person who has a place to record the drums and then going there and doing it and just figuring that, you know, logistically it was just tough, but yeah, 
Yeah, I sat on the EP for a while too, but now that it's out, I'm starting working on trying to record some songs, just release the singles. So, was there a is there a feeling of necessity that provokes you to to write music and play guitar? I mean, do you feel like you have to do it, otherwise your day is ruined? Yeah, sometimes I definitely have those days. Uh, music's always, like, I, I have a constant soundtrack running in my head any, anyways. And there's just those times where, you know, the urge strikes me. I'm like, I want to record something. Uh, I want to learn a new song. Sometimes I'll just feel like playing a bunch of covers, whatever it's... Um, Necessity in terms of, like, for my soul, for my mental well-being, yes, definitely. Um, I've even had days where I just plugged my electric in, put on some backing tracks, and played for, like, three hours straight because I just felt it. So I spent all day today, like, getting things together. I got a new artist I'm working with, and, you know, so I've got my studio all set up. Do you find that you have different like different setups that you have to have for certain things. Like, do you, do you think like the equipment makes the sound or, or is it the, the, the artist? Is it really truly the, the spirit of the musician that makes the sound? It's a, it's a very interesting question, Mike, because uh, I mean, I think both, I think, well, I, that also, that, that topic uh, makes its way into um, like production, film production too, because uh, uh, I've had talks about this with different directors I've worked with, and you know, like I say, I'm a production sound engineer, and we have like less expensive, le- cheaper gear. I'll say we have cheaper gear, and I can get good sound out of it. I don't like it, but I can get good sound of it. Any sound engineer can do get good sound with any kind of set like recording setup same with a musician if you're a good musician you should be able to play on any guitar but at the same time um this is where the film analogy came in i was like i wouldn't give steven spielberg an iphone to make a movie with so what do you think think he would do with that iphone though he'd probably do something pretty spectacular don't you think it's a fair question maybe he would uh but i i think like I say, you can, you know, yeah, you can do it, but an iPhone can only do so much in the way of making a movie. Um, like I Yeah, think, one uh, lens. Yeah. You know, uh, like, I was able to start doing some great upgrades. Well, like the acoustic guitar I was, I've been playing, I had, I got that about six years ago, and that was that was the first new guitar I'd had since 2004. So what is that? Eight years, I think. And I could play on my old guitar. I wrote a lot of songs on my old acoustic, but this one just, it felt better. And you, you, I find I could, I I found I could write more when I just felt better with what I was playing. Uh, My electric gear, I was finally able to upgrade like my amp. I was playing off of the same little 15 watt, crate amp I got when I first started playing back in 2001 and it's not a great amp it was falling apart like wasn't working well and just I want to say three years ago might have been two but I think it was three years ago I was able to upgrade and get a really nice Fender combo amp 
that has all kinds of just amp modeling and sounds and it's made me able to really play and get like do some you know it it makes things easier as far as or not easier but more enjoyable I guess and I think you can't write you can't really write music well if you're not enjoying it if you're not enjoying just the playing process I like the idea keep it simple stupid kiss you know but I always end up making it too complicated like my setup for the show is stupid like I have my iPad and my DJ controller to play music back I have my Mac and my push to play back, you know, other tracks. I have, you know, my mixer, my digital mixer, all bringing everything in from a microphone and the other two sound sources. And that's all plugged into another laptop because, well, I'm using all my CPU everywhere else. So I had to bring in an additional laptop. Like, do you find that you're limited? I find that I'm limited with with things like... funds and you know i can't go out and buy the 2300 dollars mic pack that i want for my drum kit you know like oh. i have to sacrifice and buy behringer instead you know how much of that sacrifice do you find actually does affect your sound i mean we were just um, talking about that a little bit but i mean, i feel like it really does affect the sound a lot it 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 does um I think it does because yeah, there are some things I'd like to have. I've got the the mics. I'm using mics. I'm using right now. I had one of the things I was able to buy when I first got my recording setup was like one of those uh, Sterling mic two packs with the large diaphragm and the cardioid mic, and that's what I use for the bulk of my recording. Uh, I also have a handheld mic I might throw in. Uh, I have a shotgun mic is what I'm using right now for my guitar for when I'm playing this. Um, that was actually my buddy Kevin was the one who gave me the idea for using a shotgun mic on a, on a guitar. And I'm just lucky enough to have access to that because uh, one of the film uh, crews that I work with normally, we have a couple of mics and uh, since I'm in charge of the sound, I've, you know, I'm allowed to, you like, it's, it's not been a problem. The director has been like, yeah, you can borrow that as long as you need. And so I've used it to record with. Um, I mean, with recording, I always try to, I definitely keep it simple. I, one or two mics, depending how, what I'm trying to get sound wise. Uh, Sometimes I'll try something and just what I have, um, like a microphone, for me, a microphone's a microphone, but I would love to upgrade a few things because there's some microphones I'd love to have upgrades of. Um, But yeah, like the, the Digio 2 I'm using right now it's not the greatest interface anymore because it's just not compatible. It's got a lot of compatibility issues. Yeah. It's and, 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. And I, I definitely agree. Uh, I have problems with uh, resources as far as money to get new equipment. I know I got my great, uh, I've got a great amp now, like my guitar amp, but guitar wise, I'm using a, a very cheap uh, Epiphone SG special that my, my friend RJ let me lent it to me indefinitely his actual his whole thing with it was like i've got this i don't need it you use it as soon as you don't need it uh pay it forward so that's like the thing is as soon as i get like i want to get a new guitar but i just I have that exact same guitar yeah i had my buddy i had one of my buddies spray paint it up and it's it's like this ugly lime green or no olive green color and my buddy spray painted a galaxy all over it and shit and then i installed a seymour duncan and the fucking thing rocks nice 
Yeah, I'm. Well, so the guitar I want, I want to get a, a Gretsch, not a very expensive Gretsch. They have some very inexpensive models that are actually very nice. Uh, but a semi-hollow guitar with a Bigsby, that's kind of the main <laughs> crux of what I want. The Gotta have SG a Bigsby, right? Yeah, and that SG doesn't fulfill those, and I could try to put the money into fixing it up with that, or I just put the money, I could save up the money as soon as I find avenues to make it to buy the guitar I want, and then that will go to someone who is, you know, trying to learn guitar. But it's it's an effective guitar, and it works for what I need. Uh, my pedal setup, uh, most of my pedal board is the foot switches for my amp, and then I've got a, a classic Crybaby, because got to have that. And yeah, you can't go without a Crybaby. Need that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I wanted to get a 7-band EQ, and I was able to find a very cheap Dan Electro one. And so that's, at the very least, made it so I've been able to turn this very, like, less than stellar guitar into something that sounds really good. Just through a few things, EQing and whatnot, I was able to get a good sound out of it. And... It, it's what I play with the Junker Gospel. I'll record with it, and it. I've, I've played Blasphemous Gods gigs with it too, once or twice, and it just it does what it needs to do. So I mean, it's like I was saying, you can get what you need. Like any musician, any sound engineer, worth their worth what you know, worth their weight, can do something with any equipment. But when you can upgrade your gear, it it I guess it just more it. Ups, it boosts your spirit a little bit into doing it, and that does affect uh, what you're putting out. So your spirit, like, really is everything in music. That's, like, the thing is your spirit, your soul. Where, where do you see, like, how, how do you express it with with finesse like you're you're gotten pretty damn good at these songs and they're they sound great you know and you really do catch the spirit like is there something special that you do do you go down to the like the 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 la river (laughs) you know like what 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 do you do like how does how do you get that when you're in such a place like la well um I have uh, my own sort of retreat away from L.A., as it were. I'm a, I am a member of an art collective out uh, in Slab City uh, by the town of Nyland uh, in Imperial County by, by the Salton Sea. Uh, it's a place called East Jesus. It's, a, it's an off-grid art community. Uh, myself, as well as uh, the leader of my other band, Flip Cassidy, who did the banjo and backup vocals on the ferryman and among other, he does banjo on three other tracks on my EP. Um, and I'm his guitarist for his band. Uh, but we're both uh, very involved with it. And that has been kind of, that's the place where I'm able to find my passion with music. Uh, sometimes I lose it out there too. Just it, you know, everywhere you can deal with that. But I, I think I'm, 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 <clears throat> fortunate enough that I have simple things like that, like just a lot of good friends that have that very, like a lot of good musician friends that have that similar problem of, yeah, where do you find your spirit out in LA? And somehow we're able to feed off each other to that very end and kind of create it out of nothing. 
Yeah, it's pretty wild because L.A. just sucks me in. I, I had to get the hell out of there. I couldn't. I'm not. T- I'm not tough enough to handle L.A. I guess. <laughs> it's it's a tough one. I mean, I'm probably not tough enough for it either. It's it's tough, and that's why you have those. Um, you want to have those retreats if you're trying to make it on L.A. And I mean, the thing that keeps me in L.A. is I have a lot of uh, people I love out here, so. You know, it's like I've said it to many people. If everybody I knew and loved out in L.A. just left, then I wouldn't have any reason to stay. And then I'd probably GTFO. <laughs> Late. Yeah. But right on. Well, I, hey, yeah. let's listen to this cover that you did. This is uh, House yes. of the Rising Sun. Yes. So when did you record this one? This one was recorded... Um, Last year, I think it might have been summer. Um, so last year, I was spending a majority of my time at that art collective I just mentioned. Uh, I was living there on a full-time basis. But whenever I'd come home, I'd take a little time and record something. And this is a – I've been – so I've play, been playing House of the Rising Sun for a while since I really started playing live. But I realized everyone plays the same way, does the Animals version, same key, uh, same key and everything – and so I kind of took some cues from another version, also Sons of Anarchy, um, changed, went in a different key, and I also altered the lyrics to fit myself. One of the things I do in there, um, I take out any mention of New Orleans because I have never actually been to New Orleans, so I didn't feel right mentioning it in that regard. Right. It's not the first person basis. So I was like, well, I've never been there. I can take it out. And so... But the recording, everything on the recording is me except for the drums. The drums were, uh, I've got a bunch of drum loops that I just, sometimes I'll find one and throw it in there to, because sometimes I just want to put a song out. Can't copyright drums. All right, let's take a listen. Good 
Thank you. Well done. Quite well done. So, why the fuck did you pick country? Of all the genres that you were going to pick, why the fuck did you pick country? Because, I mean, you do a great job, but like, <laughs> I had never in a million years pictured you playing country. Yeah, a lot of people who knew me back then wouldn't have. Um, I didn't exactly pick country. It's just, it, it was, it, it just ended up the way it's more. I picked folk but it also encompassed a lot of stuff i am um, so like eight years ago i started getting involved with a group of people uh one of them i've mentioned several times my my friend flip cassidy um i actually now this goes further back i i got back uh like i was away from all the people we knew in burbank for a while and then i got back in touch with a bunch of them uh mike wetzel daniel play all those guys and like at that point, a lot. Uh, Mike Wetzel started playing a band, had a band that was kind of country-like, and so, but through Mike, he started doing shows. And my friend Flip had a band called Weasels Exist, which is now called the Junkyard Gospel. This is the same band, and he played one of those shows. Then Mike played one of these shows that Flip used to do called the Gypsy Camp, which was like a daytime fully acoustic outdoor music festival with like a series of different types of like for lack of a better term I'm using the term alternative folk type of bands uh blue you know some bluegrass stuff some uh newgrass bluegrass yeah have you the heard new- that newgrass stuff too that's kind of I have not but I like the grass. term yeah I like that uh I mean, I've heard some like just it like the folk punk type of thing, a lot of stuff like that, and I just like a lot of roots music, Americana music, and I got kind of just pulled in, and I loved it, and so it one of those you know one of those like everything I play is influenced by everything I listen to, and I just happen to listen to 
the kind of like if you were to randomize my whole uh, iTunes library, sometimes it would make sense, and sometimes you'd be like, "How the hell did you get from that song to this song?" And I'd have to be like, "Well, it was random. This was there. This was there." And so that just mixture of style. That's why I used outlaw folk as a term because it took me a while to figure out what I was calling it. Um, but and country music itself has uh, changed too. Like I try to st- you know, I try to go with the outlaw, you know, outlaw country, that whole thing. Like I think I didn't have a problem with country, but I had a problem with what I thought was country, which was stadium country, arena country. I hate that garbage. Yeah. I actually, I figured out the best way to explain the genre I play. Uh, I was playing a show at a place in Glendale and we're setting up just me and a, a buddy of mine who plays drums and we're setting up and this guy asks us, Hey, what kind of stuff do you play? And I told him, uh, I call it outlaw folk. And he's like, Oh, like, you know, I, was, I told him like, you know, a little bit country, a little bit folk, a little bit, this and that. And he said, Oh, kind of like, you know, Johnny Cash, uh, Hank Williams. I was like, yes, like those guys. And Tom Waits hit them with his piano. <laughs> and that's so, been the, yeah, it's been the best way I've ever felt to found to describe what I'm playing. So are you going to get a band together and ever hit the road? Um, I don't have any plans for it. I'm not entirely sure. Like I, uh, lately I've been focusing more on putting more energies and wanting to, do stuff with the junkyard gospel rather than my stuff. It's just kind of where I'm at mentally with it. And I know we're working on trying to get shows together to get, to get some paid gigs so we can put money to the, to record an EP for that band. Cause we don't have any current recordings of our stuff. Um, and I, we've talked about touring, uh, Bless Miss Gods. I don't know. It's always a revolving door of musicians or not revolving door, just, a a grab bag, like, okay, who do I feel like playing with this show? Uh, you, you, you available? Awesome. And then whoever it is, they show up. So, I mean, no nice. concrete plans. Just, I, I kind of like just recording stuff, putting it out, and maybe playing a show or two here or there, but it's it's always, my, my head goes in many different places. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Everybody, take a look in the info. We've got links to his Facebook page and his Bandcamp page with some more music available. And Support your local musicians because this yeah. is not easy, nor is it cheap. So thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for having me on. Also, if I, I can look for- plug, if I can plug yeah. quickly, because I did mention earlier, but I want to say uh, June t- June 23rd, Canoga Park, Scotland Yard Pub, uh, Flip Casting the Junkyard Gospel. We're putting on the Yard Bacue. It's an all-day Americana folk festival with a ton of great artists. Awesome. Sounds fun. All right, man. Well, hey, you take care. It was good catching up with you. You do, yeah. You too. Thanks a lot, man. I recently quit my job. I recently quit my job. Thanks for listening. Show your support by subscribing and sharing. Music from people I know.